Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm a feminist. But last night, I was on a TV show in Ireland to promote The Guilty Feminist. And the guest who was sitting on the sofa next to me was an Irish personality and presenter, a generation older than me. And he said, yeah, I'm okay with feminism. I'm so proud of Ireland for being a country that's so into equality. We have equal marriage. We're really keen on equality here. And personally, I think anyone should be able to do anything they want as long as it's legal. And I wanted to say, that's the thing, famous Irish presenter. (laughs) Abortion is not legal, and neither was equal marriage until people campaigned for it and demanded it. But I thought, it's it's like an early evening show. Like, am, am, I, am I allowed to say that? And in the next second, while I was had my mouth open and was prevaricating, the presenter of the show said, next up, we're going over to Owen in the kitchen. And so instead of saying, repeal the eighth, I said, mmm, goat's cheese pizza. I had to make a call, guys. I had to make a call. <laughs> I'd never been on the show before. I didn't know if you were allowed to just go, abortion. It was just very early in the evening. Children were watching. It was such a smiley, friendly show. I don't. Maybe mmm, goat's cheese pizza can be the new code for... Mmm, <laughs> goat's cheese pizza. <laughs> Repeal the eighth. Oh, I'm a feminist, but I don't actually know where my cervix is. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I can't help you. (laughs) Well, is it on my face? No. Okay. It's definitely on your face. I know the general region. Yeah, I know the general region. I know the nether region. I know if I wanted to take a trip to my cervix, I would know where to head. But But once I got there, I would need some directions. Yes. I'm a feminist, but last night, when I did an evening TV show in Ireland (laughs) to promote my podcast... Sitting on the sofa next to me was an Irish presenter and personality, a generation older than me, and we were talking about skydiving. And to prove what a feminist he was, after he'd said my skydive had gone wrong because it was my fault, he said, 
oh, no, 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 women are better at skydiving because they're more graceful. <laughs> and instead of saying, well, individual women are obviously better than individual men and individual men are obviously better than individual women, but it isn't helpful to put men and women into monolithic groups because it means people can say men are better leaders and are more suited to maths. I said, did you hear that, everyone? Women are better. <laughs> to camera. I pointed at the camera. Again, I had to make a call. It was like a split-second decision, gang. And I thought, what does early evening television want me to do? There's a guy behind me in my rearview mirror making pizza. It doesn't want me to go, oh, monolithic groups. It wants me to go, women are better. So that's what I did. I'm a feminist, but sometimes my imposter syndrome is so bad, I don't think I am one. <laughs> Well, that's such a clever joke. No, it's a little philosophical. Oh, that's good. That was strong. Yeah. You're like the Descartes of I'm a feminist, but <laughs> I'm a feminist. But last night, <laughs> I went on an early evening television show and I was so happy that I liked the way I looked on the monitor and that I was shorter than the presenter because I'm almost always the tallest woman. I really didn't care about the content. Okay, I'm a feminist, but on the flight here from New York to Dublin, my boyfriend and I were sitting next to each other on the plane, and the woman behind us stuck her bare foot between the two chairs Ooh. to rest. Oh, no. And she did have a nice pedicure, but it was a mm. bare foot. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and I secretly hoped that she isn't allowed to vote. <laughs> You're really good at these. Oh, no. Can I pay you to write mine? <laughs> no, no. I loved all of yours. Live from the Vodafone Comedy Festival in Dublin, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with Deborah Francis White and guest co-host Aparna Nanshirla and very special guest Anna Dresen talking about comparisons. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. All right. So today we're talking about comparisons. Mm. Um, do you compare yourself to others much? I do, constantly. I'm comparing us right now. <laughs> oh God, I, I don't think I'm going to come out well. No, I feel like no, I'm worried. No. You're clearly in charge here. <laughs> Your well, name is on the podcast. Well, that's true, but you're guest co-host, so people mm. are more excited about you because they get me every week. Oh. You should write for my brain because it says different things. Okay, all right. Yeah. But also, you're petite, and that's all I've ever wanted to be. Oh, boy. Because I was raised in a beach town in Australia where the main thing that a woman should be is small. Yeah. And being petite was the dream. I've pushed past that, and now I'm like, no, I want to be the best version of myself. I love being tall. I like yeah. being substantial on stage. Until I sit next to a petite woman and then I'm just right back there. Oh, uh, like no. I'm like I'm like, yeah, it would be so lovely. Like, look at your little wrists. <laughs> I want I this know. They're so cute. Think about how easily they would just snap. <laughs> See, this is why no, no matter which woman's brain you're no. in, <laughs> you're in the wrong one. I mean that's 
That's the thing about it. And I'm sure it's because we're encouraged all the time to pit ourselves against each other. And it's probably not great for feminism because feminism is about people of all genders working together for equality. So if we're going, oh, well, you're better than me or I'm better than you or I'm not as good as you, or it stops the movement. It puts the movement into second gear. Yeah, well, also it's like, you know, ideally a movement is a group effort and I feel like when you start comparing yourself, it breaks down into more individual... Individuals, uh, yeah. Yeah, individuals and individual problems. We are, though. We're, we're, I honestly think we're the children of Thatcher and Reagan. I think that sort of no such thing as society, everyone out mm. for themselves. I really feel that's a hallmark of my generation. Right. I'm, oh, I'm Gen X. I'm a classic Gen X. And I think we were encouraged to think about ourselves a lot and to sort of, you know, what's your career going to be? And the only good thing that's come out of this last horrendous political nightmare of the last couple of years mm -hmm. of Trump and Brexit and here, you know, your awful deal with repeal the eighth and, you know, so many people here have said, I'm really dreading it, like everything that's going to be in the media about abortion. We're coming into a very difficult time for women around the world. Right. And I feel the only good thing that's come out of that is that I feel like reactivated for democracy. And I feel like instead of just going, oh, what about my career? I'm like, oh, really, fuck my career. What about this? And I feel like I'm getting on board with other women. And I feel like there's a sort of tribal movement for a higher purpose. And I feel like that's super exciting right now. And I feel like we can be a team and not just selfishly going, oh, but where did I get the audition for that? You right, know, like, right, right. Well, it, sometimes it's just nice to get outside your own head. Or, or your flat. Or you're flat. Those things are both nice. Yeah. Welcome to the stage, Aparna Nachala! It's so good to be here, Dublin. I'm visiting from New York. It's very hot there right now. It's not my favorite type of weather. It's like clothing has now become, you know, just like a polite suggestion for people. I like that Irish weather only reaches a certain level of warmth, is, is kind of like me in my relationships. Um, it's nice, but I, I also I like, I like weather where you can like wear enough layers that people are like, mm, does she have a physical form at all? We don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery. Could go either way. I am someone who runs cold, so I, I tend to wear my coat a lot indoors, which people don't like, like especially at a party or something, if you keep your coat on too long, someone is always like, well, you got to take your coat off. You seem uncomfortable and like you want to leave. And I'm always like, that is accurate. <laughs> I feel like to take it off would be to deny my truth. So it must stay on. But yeah, New York, you know, it's an intimidating place to walk around. Like, it, no one tells you this before you move there. I've lived there for five years now. But there are just models walking around all the time, just, like, unregulated. Uh, yeah, there's just, like, feral models wandering the streets that no one warns you about in the Lonely Planet Guide. And, you know, it, it, models are very tricky. Like, I'm okay with them as a concept. Like, they're, they're fine when they're far away. You can appreciate them like a sunset. But... If you ever directly walk by one, they are like self-esteem pickpockets, you know? <laughs> like one walks beside you and within seconds you're just like, no, I have nothing. <laughs> Even my personality's the wrong shape, you know? You immediately question everything. 
Does anyone read uh, women's magazines? Yeah, okay, great, everyone. Uh, I find them very tricky. Like, some of them, you know, doing great work, but there is some still have mixed messages, and I get sucked in very easily. Like, I'll be at the store, and, you know, I'll see the, like, rack of options. I'll just be like, oh, I like Jennifer Lawrence in a sensible boot, you know, and then <laughs> I buy it, take it home to my cave, and then I open it up. And immediately it's just like, did you realize you haven't been worrying about something you should have been worrying about for most of your life? Like your elbows could be boring. You're like, no. It's like your personality might have hair on it. And you're like, come on, another thing. I would say the weirdest tip I've ever read in one was very short and disturbing. This is all it said, it stuck with me to this day. It just said, to look more confident when you're walking around, look like you have a sexy secret. <laughs> what? Apparently some women's magazines are now just like, print this, see if it's words. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know anymore, we're tired. That's fair. Yeah, walk around and give a sexy secret. Don't get me wrong, I urge everyone to try it, regardless, regardless of your gender. You know, it's a valuable thought experiment. It is like when Charlize Theron plays an ugly person. Like, you really grow. Uh, you really learn about yourself. But I'll always think of it in the middle of the street, and then I'll sort of derail from there. Like, I'll just be walking around, and I'll just be like, oh, yeah, oh, sexy secret. Okay, you got a sexy secret. All right. Okay. Okay, my underwear's got a hole in it. <laughs> but not in a good place, you know? Like it always sort of peters out at the end. It's just like, good luck. Sometimes I'm like, forget the sexy part. That's advanced. You need to worry about that. Work on the secret. We'll build. You know, life is a journey. You got to start small. You got to be manageable. So I'll, I'll be like, okay, secret, secrets. What are my secrets? <sighs> okay, my email password. <laughs> Isn't strong enough. <laughs> I'm a risk. Ugh. Gotta work on my secrets. Is there catcalling in Dublin? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's everywhere. Like, it's funny, I, I've been touring around more and I like to ask wherever I go, and it is interesting, because you expect it in cities, but sometimes even the smallest towns I'll go to, they'll just be like, oh yeah, we got a guy. <laughs> a guy. <laughs> like, Gary does it, I'm like, oh, what a hero. Way to step up to the plate, Gary. New York, though, feels like where catcallers move to get good. Like the ones, you know, they, from all over the country who think they have what it takes to, like, get to the next level. They all just show up ready to go. I don't get catcalled a lot. I'm not sad about it, but I was thinking reasons why. I think part of it is that a lot of times I'll wear an astronaut helmet around the city. <laughs> Definitely hurts my numbers. Uh, I also think it's because when I walk around in general, like, my energy is a little bit, like... Are you my mother? You know, like, that's like the message I put out into the universe. It's like a hint of orphan, so I feel like cat are always like, eh, she's already scared, we'll get the next one. 
Yeah, I am. I'm in my 30s now, and I was like, I wonder if there's a point where, as a woman, you just like stop worrying about your body. And I was like, No, I I bet even female ghosts will like <laughs> see a sheet flapping in the wind, and they'll just be like, Huh, body goals, you know? Like I bet it never ends for us, uh, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. So I did a challenge this week for comparisons. Earlier this week, I decided to get more work done. I was going to take Facebook and Twitter off my phone. And I made an announcement on Twitter. Hey, guys, not going to really be here anymore because I'm doing some work for a little while. So if you want to contact me, here's the guilty feminist email. Oh. Bye. But the thing is, <laughs> what... What, what you forget is you can log on from your phone. Yeah. You could just pull up a window, just put Twitter in. Now, you, what, what's good about that is you have to put your password in every time, so it makes you much more conscious of when you're doing it. A lot <laughs> is when you're doing it. It did cut down how much I was using Twitter and Facebook, but I was still going on much more regularly. So yesterday when we decided to do the show about comparisons, I thought, right, I'm going to take myself off totally for 24 hours. And... With Twitter, a couple of times, just because someone was trying to DM me or something like that, what I did is I, I had to go on it, but I did that with the screen. Like, I put my hand over the screen <laughs> just to look at the top message oh. that I had to click on. So Because the thing is not... Receiving messages is fine. It's when you're just scrolling mm -hmm. and you're just seeing all of this bad news and comparing yourself to other people yeah. and all of this. It's just so... I feel it's so bad for your brain. So I did cheat on Twitter a couple of times, but I didn't break the spirit of the law. I only broke the letter of the law. <laughs> and I think, Guilty Feminist, you are with me in admiring that. Um, but with Facebook, I didn't go on it at all. And for a while, I was like, oh, I really want to go on Facebook. Oh, I shouldn't go on Facebook. No, I've said as a challenge. Come on, don't go on Facebook. And at one point, I was just like, I'll just look for a minute in case there's like any, someone's written on my wall. Like I was just telling myself, <laughs> in case someone's sent me a wall message someone's I should know about. in danger and they're the only way to contact you is through exactly, your wall. Exactly, Apana. Yeah. Say you yeah. were trapped in a basement. I would definitely first post on your wall. <laughs> That's the first thing. You wouldn't contact your boyfriend or no. your mom or they'd be like, I mean, hey. Deborah's wall. Deborah's wall. Like, what about that? To leave a note, uh, hey, I'm in trouble. Um, so I just pulled it up. And it, as I was about to put the password in, I went, you know, I really don't want to. And I shut it down. And I've now got to the point, it's not even been 24 hours, mm -hmm. I do not want to look at Facebook. I think it's like crystal meth. It gets out of your yeah. system really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, as soon as you take another hit, you're back right where you were. Right. I believe that's how crystal meth works. I don't know. Can anyone tell me? Anyone done crystal meth? Anyone? Anyone? Are you honestly telling me not one person's audience has done person. crystal meth? That seems. Here's the problem: comedians create audiences in their own image. Yes. Wait. It's true. What? Well, you create the audience in your own image because the oh, people right, who want right, to come right. and see you yes. are all like you. Right. So. You need an outreach program. I honestly feel somebody in here has done it. It's just like I'm not telling you that in front of all these people. Um, <laughs> but I believe it's like Facebook is so addictive. No, it is. They all are. And it's this constant comparison gap. So I'm really shocked that in 24 hours, I don't want to look at it. And I've been here before. I've done it before I've got off it. And I've gone through the 12 steps. <laughs> and I've been off it for like a week or, or half a week. And, and I go back on it and I'm, and I'm back in. 
And if I go back on it tomorrow, I'll be back right. in. So there's part of me that wants to totally delete Facebook from my life. And there's right. another part of me that goes, oh, but it's so useful for things and connecting with people and seeing my family who are abroad and things like that, just seeing yeah. what's going on in their lives. So maybe what I'm going to do is reduce Facebook where I'm going to only follow like the people in my family who mm -hmm. are abroad or, you know, like really, really, really close friends. Yeah. Because you can unfollow everyone else. You don't have to look at like people you went to school with. You just honestly sit there looking at their house renovations. Does anyone no, do this? True. Someone I haven't seen since school and I'm going, oh, I like what they've done with their bathroom. You get so much more for your money in Australia. Like, no, it, it, yeah. am it's, I doing? It is like very customized reality show programming where you're just like, I'm following these other people's lives and nothing is happening, but I keep watching. <laughs> I, it's crazy. And I'm like, what am, yeah. what am I doing? But there is, I think, even if you're not consciously aware of it, you can't help but compare yourself no, yeah. to, do they look happier? And right. I, I have no babies, so I like have zero babies. <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> you travel I feel, a lot. I <laughs> feel I would remember pushing out something the size of a watermelon out of the hole the size of a tampon. <laughs> it would come back to me. Um, sometimes I see a picture of a baby mm -hmm. or... I saw a picture of my husband a few years ago to the wedding. It was one of those, you know when Facebook now reminds you of everything that happened last year, the year before, and the year before that on this day? Oh. And so now you're living in parallel realities with all of your old selves. <laughs> and when's that going to end? It's like being in Back to the Future every day. Remember that time my mom was hot and I tried to hit on her? Like, it's just, it's just, that's, that's the plot of Back to the Future in case you don't know. That's oh, not right, me right, being right, weird. Right, right, right. That is not me being weird. So my friend, very, very close friend of mine has a little girl who I'm really close to. She's like one of my goddaughters, And I call her my goddaughter because she's not actually my goddaughter, but she's like a goddaughter. Does you get that joke? Cod? Yeah. You just didn't think it was funny. Okay. Well, she and I think it's hilarious. And she's seven. So, you know. There was a picture of her about six years ago at a wedding I think was meeting this little baby for the first time. And my husband was holding her mm -hmm. and he looked so happy. He was looking at her going, oh. And I was like, oh my God, my husband's never going to be a father. And that <gasps> really cuts me up because I'm like, he would be a great father. I mean, I tried to have kids and I couldn't, but we could have adopted, we could have done IVF. I could have made one of you surrogate for me, but <laughs> asked one of you, fine. <laughs> but now I'm like traveling around the world and I'm doing comedy yeah. and it's like such it may, everyone's with babies is so tired and I'm like I think I'm kind of gone past it right. and I'm kind of okay with it Yeah. but then I get really upset that my husband won't be a father and because he'd be so good like he's so good with kids it's so heartbreaking and Facebook is making me compare Right. in that image I was like that's what it would be like if we had a baby so we'd now have Clem who's seven and I lived out the whole of her life with us if you're listening Gina don't be frightened I'm not going to steal her <laughs> It's too late to steal her. She can talk and remember. Um, I should have run then. That was the day. Regrets. Um, so, yeah, I looked at that and I compared my life to the life that would have been there. Now, all it is is a single image of my husband holding a baby at a random wedding six years ago. Not random. Sorry, Josie and Rue. It was a brilliant wedding. But it was a lovely wedding. It was a lovely wedding. You're very happy. You now have two children who are so beautiful. They could be Burberry models. Sure. Oh. So I'm looking, I'm looking at this and I run the whole thing in my mind and I get really sad. And so that's why I think even if you're not comparing yourself to other people directly, Facebook flashes up images of parallel lives that you could have led and invites you 
to ask yourself, would I have been happier or would I have been differently happy? Or would I be now, you know, crying in the kitchen in the fetal position going, why did I do this, surrounded by three children who hate me? You know, I don't know the answer to that, Aparna. Do you? I, I think there should be a filter you can activate on Facebook where every time you see a photo that might make you feel insecure or jealous, it lists three bad things going on in that person's life. <laughs> like, is, that is oh. a great app. You would make money. Oh, boy. Don't... Well, now it's on tape, so no one can see That's your million-dollar idea, Aparna. Yeah. That's the Aparna app. That's the Aparna. Ooh. I like what I've done there. Why compare when you can Aparna? Whoa. Okay, the the slogan needs work. (laughs) We all understand that. I'm not a copywriter. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. It's a good idea. If you see a baby, someone holding a little baby, it'll be like, she and her husband haven't had sex in two years. Don't do the math on that. Um, <laughs> she quit her job and her plantar fasciitis is back. I'm like, oh, guess it ain't that pretty over there. <laughs> and they could be fake, but you know that something like that's happening in their life, so it's fine. They could be random generated ones. Yes, yes, Because otherwise you'd have to spy on everybody. Right. And that's Zuckerberg's job. Yeah. Please welcome to the mic, Deborah Francis White! I sometimes wake up in the night sweating and shivering, thinking that I'm Brooke Shields. Now stay with me here. There's a reason. And listen, Brooke Shields, who wouldn't want to be Brooke Shields? She's had a wonderful career. She's a talented woman. She's lovely. She's having a great life. For you to understand why I wake up frightened that I'm Brooke Shields, you have to take your mind back to the 2011 Tonys. Now, does anyone here watch the Tonys? Any show tunes people in? Any Broadway people in? Any West End people in? Just give us a cheer if you like a bit of Broadway. There you go. So you might watch the Tonys. The Tonys is the awards ceremony in New York for the best of Broadway. And in 2011, Neil Patrick Harris, you might know him from Doogie Howser or if you're a millennial, How I Met Your Mother as Barney. And he's a famous gay man and he was hosting the Tonys. He's my favorite ever Tonys host. He's done it quite a few times. The reason I say he's a famous gay man because the song that he sang was a parody song that went like this. Broadway has never been broader. It's not just for gays anymore. If you feel like someone that this world excludes, it's no longer only for dudes who love dudes. Attention every breeder, you're invited to the theater. It's not just for gays anymore. Now, I can't guarantee that that was the exact tune, but you get the idea. And then he comes into the audience, and you know how they do those bits on award shows with famous people in the audience? He comes into the audience, and the music's still going, and he comes up and he says, look, Stephen Colbert, he's straight. What are you going to say about this, Stephen? And Stephen stands up and does his bit, which is, um, I enjoy the theatre, I've enjoyed it all my life, I enjoy it with my female woman wife fun bit, right? Then he comes down the aisle and he goes, see James Earl Jones, he's straight. Angela Lansbury, she's straight. Joe Mantello, thanks for coming. 
And he, uh, he goes over to Brooke Shields. And he says, Brooke Shields, you're so hot. You made me think I was straight for 23 years. Uh, what are you going to say about this? Now, what Brooke Shields was meant to do was stand up and sing. When I'm up on stage, a lot of men, they like to watch. In fact, one guy sent a twit pic of his crotch. What she actually did was this. When I'm up on stage, there's some men they like to wash. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris, ever the pro, goes, let's take that again. Five, six, seven, eight. And she goes, when I'm up on stage, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he goes, don't worry. We'll take it again. And someone hands her a card. And then off the card, she goes, When I'm up on stage, there's lots of men who like to watch. In fact, one guy sent a twin pig off his crotch. Oh, my God. I assume she's still in the fetal position. <laughs> so here's the thing. If I wake up sweating and shaking once a month thinking I'm Brooke Shields on the Tonys for getting the lyrics, she must wake up five to six times a night I'm surprised she's ever slept again. And there's no reason why. I mean, it was just a silly bit. She probably was under rehearsed. The autocue broke down. There's probably a million reasons for it. Why should she feel bad about that? It's a silly bit. It doesn't matter. But of course she fucking does because Al Pacino was in the audience, because Bono was in the audience, because Oprah was in the audience, because every famous person you've ever seen on any cover of any magazine was in the fucking audience and everyone was watching it live on television around the world. Like, it just, there's just no coming back from that in your mind. Can you imagine? So here's the thing. When I was a kid... I wanted to go to the Tonys. I'd watch the Tonys every year in Australia, and I'd think, oh, my God, that's where all of the theatre people are. And I was a theatre kid. I was a musical theatre kid. All I wanted to do was go to the Tonys. And as a grown-up now, of course, I am in show business. Lots of my friends are in the theatre. I'm kind of in the theatre in a sort of way. I mean, I don't know. I'm in a tent. It's, there's a stage. There's a light on me. I've got a microphone in my hand. I'm in the theatre. Let's pretend. I've just done a show tune. I mean, I wasn't asked to. But that doesn't matter. That didn't stop me, did it? See, I'm in the theatre, I'm in the theatre, I'm in the theatre, I'm in the theatre. But some of my friends are actually in the theatre. I've seen them on Facebook. Like, you know, their show was in the West End and then it got transferred to Broadway and the show was nominated for a Tony. So they got to go to the Tonys. Real live, actual pulsing friends of mine with blood running through their veins. People I've sat and had coffee with who've cried about their careers have been at the Tonys. And then, of course, what do they say on Facebook? Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm at the Tonys. Ridiculous. Am I dreaming? Hashtag amazing. What? Me? No, surely not me at the Tonys. Not me. Not me at the Tonys. Not me at the Tonys. Hashtag not me at the fucking Tonys. And it's easy to compare yourself. And I could sit on Facebook comparing myself to friends. Friends who've gone to the Tonys. Or I could go on YouTube and I could compare myself to Brooke Shields. <laughs> at the Tonys and think, no, I've never been to the Tonys, I've never been to the Tonys, but I can still get there, I can still get there, I can still get there. But Brooke Shields can never not have forgotten the words to Broadway, it's not just for gays anymore. Now, when I was a kid, I also every year watched the Oscars and I had to stay up very late because in Australia it was on like three in the morning and my mum used to let me stay up once a year to watch the Oscars. My eyes would be closing but I'd have to watch the whole of the Oscars because I was just absolutely in love with the Oscars and I used to think one day, one day maybe I'll be at the Oscars. And of course now there are friends of mine who, you know, have made some kind of documentary short or whatever the fuck. <laughs> oh, 
oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to the Oscars. I'm like, can you believe we're going to the Oscars? Can you believe we're going to the Oscars in a limo, in a limo? Can you believe we're going to the Oscars in a dinner jacket, in a ginger? Who am I wearing? Who am I wearing? Who am I wearing? How ridiculous me, little old me, little old me that's had coffee with little old you. Little old me, little old me who said I'd never amount to anything at the Oscars, at the Oscars. People in feature films that have been at the Oscars and one friend remove, oh yeah, I know that person, that person's got nominated, and that person's won, and I know this person. I don't know anyone who's won an Oscar personally, but I know a person who knows a person. I'm close, I'm so close. I'm one degree of separation from the Oscars, from the red carpet, from it all, from the big gold statue, from the Vivian Westwood dress on the red carpet. There I am, and it's easy to compare myself. It's easy to sit on Facebook, on Instagram, going, oh, to look at Vanity Fair and go, oh, 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 oh. So easy to compare myself. And I could do that. Or... I could go on YouTube and I could think to myself, well, I've never been to the Oscars. I've never been to the Oscars, but I've also never announced the wrong film <laughs> for best picture and had producers come up and have statuettes in their hand and start giving thank you speeches. That's never happened to me. And I can still get to the Oscars. I don't mind telling you, I don't mind telling you. I've been trying to make a film for 10 years. Monday, the day after tomorrow, the first, first ever day of shoot for my feature film starts. It begins Monday. The day after tomorrow. I'm very excited. I mean, I'm not directing it. I'm not directing it. I have no power and very little influence, but... It's still happening. Words that I said will be coming out of people's mouths and someone will be capturing on a camera and then editing that together. So I could still get to the Oscars. You don't know. I might still get to the Oscars. I might still get to the Oscars. So I could compare myself to friends who've been to the Oscars or I could say to myself, you've not been to the Oscars yet, but Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty can never, ever turn back time and not say the best picture is La La Land. <laughs> when I was a kid, I wanted to be president of the United States of America. <laughs> and you know, they've been friends of mine from school and uni, you know, and they've become president of the United States of America. And they're on Facebook going, me, just me, little old me, president of the United States of America. How did that happen? How did that happen? How did that happen? You don't know. Maybe I did a fringe show with Bill Clinton in the 80s. You can't prove that I didn't. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Deborah, you can't be president of the United States of America. You weren't born in America, but that didn't stop Obama. <laughs> he had the ambition and he went there. So I could sit on Facebook going, oh no, I'll never be president of the United States of America. I've not become president of the United States of America. I've not become president. Look at all these people who've been president of the United States of America. Or I could look out the window and see the impending mushroom cloud coming from North Korea. <laughs> and feel better about myself. Thank you very much. Hello, Guilty Feminist listeners. I just wanted to briefly interrupt your podcast listening to tell you on the 29th of April at 4pm at King's Place in London, Global Pillage will be recorded live and we need a hive mind. So please book tickets for that now before it sells out. We would absolutely love to have you. Also, on the 2nd of May, The Guilty Feminist presents Comics for Calais, a fundraiser for help refugees. What we're looking to do is help fund facilities in Calais where there are still a 1,000 refugees and usually only 100 volunteers at any one time. Uh, they desperately need funds and we really need your help with that. The show is on sale 
at the Union Chapel in London. And you can go to the website unionchapel.org.uk or details are also on the Guilty Feminist website. Jessica Foster Q is hosting the show. Other acts include Sindhu V, Desiree Birch, and we are announcing more acts soon. Um, so please get your tickets now. All the money goes to Calais to help refugees. So it's a really, really wonderful place to put your pounds. And also it's going to be a phenomenal show. We are going to do a Skype link up with our show in Calais. So I'll be in Calais. Ashling B, Sarah Pascoe and other comedians will be in Calais doing a show for the volunteers over there. And we're going to Skype between the two shows. So I will be there on screen, but also so the volunteers in Calais can see all of you. And that's really important so they can feel supported because really Calais has been forgotten since the jungle was dismantled and it needs a lot more attention. So I'm hoping to get a lot of press around this as well. If you are in the press, please get in touch with us at guiltyfeminist at gmail.com because we would absolutely love to hear from you. In the meantime, there are 900 seats of everyone who get busy buying tickets. It's going to be a phenomenal night, something that you won't forget because you'll virtually be in Calais. We will transport you to Calais. Also, you can go to helprefugees.org where you can donate tents and sleeping bags or give money. If you do that, at the last step, there's a box. If you could put Guilty Feminist, capital G, capital F, one word, into that box, it will really help helprefugees.org. And that's a great place to volunteer. You could go to Calais for the weekend for a week, longer, shorter, but they need all sorts of volunteers and you don't have to be skilled. And if you are in London, there is a pop-up Syrian restaurant uh, that's going on in uh, hip East London at the moment. It's absolutely amazing. There's only 24 seats a night. It's £40 a head and the money goes to the refugee who is running it, but also to a hospital in Aleppo that's for children. That's now actually the only hospital in Aleppo in Syria. So please, if you can, go along to that. It's a phenomenal night out and your money is really going to a great place. Uh, thank you so much. And now back to the podcast. Our guest today is a writer, comedian, and actor based in Brooklyn, New York. She performs sketch comedy at the UCB and The Annoyance, and is a writer for Saturday Night Live and Reductress. She contributed to the book How to Win at Feminism. Please welcome Anna Dresden. Hello, hello. Oh my goodness, it's so toasty warm in here. It is quite warm. I it's had about to take... 40 degrees colder right there. I know, that's <laughs> I the thing about just... festivals, you're only either freezing or baking. Yeah. yeah, I was just there and I saw a big bird outside and I asked Natasha, the festival coordinator, what it was and she said it's a magpie. Oh. And oh. there's rules with magpies. And she said if you only see one of them, you have to say bye-bye, Mr. Magpie, right? And, but otherwise, bad things happen. Is that an, an Irish, Irish thing? Yeah. Never it, heard it, of that. Oh, you're, that's right. You're a different one. <laughs> um, but it's like, you guys are fine, right? Never been anything bad or weird between the two countries. <laughs> I'm Australian for the purposes of this exercise. Oh, that's good. You love us. <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about, mate? But I don't know anything about... But I kept Any. seeing it, and I was like, is it just the one time you're covered? When it walks away, you have to say, bye-bye, Mr. Magpie. And I was like, but I just looked at it again. She's like, you have to say it again. It and could I, take and all day. I kept looking at it. 
And I'm like, bye bye, and he was like eating trash out of a <laughs> garbage bag. On a point of feminism, how do we know the magpie was a mister? I think it was a bird. <laughs> sure, but it could have been a Ms. Magpie. Yeah. I think it's sort of, you know, patriarchal to name a species, too, you know? Yeah. Because they didn't give themselves that name. Right. So what we have to call magpies, that's the only word yeah. they can say. Or you could call it like... But then how do we distinguish it from <laughs> seagulls? You can't. And if you were listening at home, Anna made the face of a magpie there. Yeah. It's just picture it a magpie. Picture a magpie and call it that, like in your head. It did have a ruggedly handsome face. It came a little closer and I kind of barreled eyes with it. And wow. I saw my death, but I also... <laughs> it's it's fine. Diabetes, it's fine. And I... <laughs> it's going to happen. And... Um, and and it, it, they are ruggedly handsome in the face. Yes. Mm. It looks like a sort of a Justin Thoreau type. Are you suggesting you would do a magpie? You got there yourself. <laughs> I am saying it was handsome. The way if you saw like a, a little kid in a suit, you'd be like, well, aren't you handsome? <laughs> That's not, not, you said Justin Theroux. If I saw Justin oh. Theroux, I wouldn't go, aren't you handsome? I'd be like, do me in the broom cupboard. Not Sorry, Jennifer Aniston, if you're listening, we want you on as a guest. I will not fuck your husband. I don't. And Brooke Shields, if you're listening, sorry. I think you're amazing. I think if you have that much money, you just don't have to listen to podcasts. <laughs> Do you think I they think let you off? Yeah. No, someone listens to them for you. And tells you what was yeah. in them? Yeah. <gasps> Do you think you... Then you she mean? made a bird face, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Feels and she's like, I don't like this. <laughs> I hate this. Do you think somebody is paid to tell Brooke Shields everything that's said about her in the media? Like someone has to listen to everything in case there's mentions of her? Yeah, that's a PR yeah, company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Mm -hmm. Hello, they all Brooke have Shields. Google alerts, yeah. Oh, but then what's going to Google it? There's the beautiful thing about a podcast. You can bury anything in it because the words don't come up when you Google it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, unless someone like has a blog spot where they're like, this yeah. podcast, here's the transcript. Oh, fuck. They take a break from <laughs> making pipe bombs. <laughs> sort of turn the kerosene lamp up a little bit, transcribe the podcast. Yeah. Right, right, right. So you contributed a book called How to Win at Feminism. Yes. That's the ultimate comparison. Like looking at other feminists and going, you're better than me. It is. It's and a, it's, it's important to this show, actually, Anna. Feminism felt like another thing to be guilty about. Like I'm not a good enough at my job. I'm not a good enough daughter. I'm not right. a good enough mother or whatever. I mean, in my case, poor. Um <laughs> It's just awful. And now I'm not a good enough feminist. Like, there's always yeah. someone being better. Is that, was that the premise of this book? Yeah. So a lot of people get it mistaken. They say, like, oh, Reductress is like a satire site. It's humor. But it's not. We are serious. Not everyone here will know Reductress. So I'm going to read out some headlines so that yeah. you can get the idea it's of It's a very serious women's media, women for media, women's website magazine for it's, anyone to look at if they wanted to. But girls only. It's sight. It's one of my favorite things on the internet, it's honestly. A, and it's the one thing on the internet I would miss if I gave it up, which I won't. Um, that's nice. There's a headline here at the moment. I did Whole30 and now my only friends are these hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> this is another headline. Friend who already eats less carbs than you, trying to eat less carbs. <laughs> and there's a lovely bit on that. I, I'm going to read you a little bit from the article. I just get such a bad tummy ache whenever I try eating pasta, says Hanley. 
Also, this isn't about weight, okay? It's about me feeling better about my body once it weighs less. <laughs> At the conclusion of the interview, Hanley was reportedly thinking about going to Pilates more, even though she already goes three times a week, which is more than anyone ever needs to. Uh, five sex positions that all start with clearing your throat and pointing to your vagina. <laughs> um, this is woman inspiration. I love these. Inspiring. This girl couldn't get a job, so she became a career coach. That's um, real. Is that? It, it's it feels real. Most of my friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is a funny one. Heinous floral tops that will finally win your mum's approval. <laughs> a good floral print can be distracting enough that she might forget to ask if you're seeing anyone. Um, so I want to read you something now that Anna wrote here that I just found. How to befriend other frigid women. <laughs> And there are various points. Avoid eye contact. A true friend won't pressure you into the unbearable activity of looking at another person's eyes. <laughs> Whilst many so-called experts maintain that eye contact is a critical facilitator of human bonding, very little scientific research has been done on women named Anne with one cat and no smile. <laughs> Never attempt a hug. Just don't. No, no, no. Don't. Handshakes are fine. Um, and then it says, there you have it, the definitive guide to making friends with intimacy-averse women just like you. Good luck out there. It's just such a lovely parody of women's magazines and the way they make you feel. That I, What I feel is, what I'm reading, it is kind of serious, because what I'm reading is the subtext of women's magazines. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, um, I got a guy, I think it was Esquire magazine subscription we broke up and then I just kept getting them and I would read them and it was great because it was like, here's like weekend bags, like a weekender bag, like for the weekend, like you put your things in it and then you go somewhere on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> and it was like, they all cost like $500 and it was like, this is good and cool. And then a women's magazine was like, hey, Anna Dresden, I hope your house burns down. <laughs> And it's like, I don't need to be told that. You know what I mean? Just women's magazines are so harmful. Like, guys' magazines are like, oh, like, how to be a stud and, like, have sex with a lot of women. It's cool. And women's magazines are like, Anna Dresden, I can see you. <laughs> I hope your house has a fire in it that renders it incapable of inhabiting. And that's just so, like, we don't deserve that as women. You know what I mean? Like, I paid for the magazine. It's true, it's true. Do you feel like you compare yourself to men, Anna? Uh, when you say men, what do you... She's oh. like, do you just mean magpies? <laughs> In terms of magpies, which <laughs> men are we talking about? I, I just think to you compare The magpie more. that was like, hey, hey, come here. Come here. <laughs> I want to fuck you. I, I thought you like, said it was like a toddler in a suit. It was. That's why it was so yeah, upsetting. That's very upsetting. <laughs> that's why you? I'm covered in feathers and blood. <laughs> we didn't mention um, that. Yeah, I don't if know. If you're listening at home, she is. She I is. am. I look incredible. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do, yeah. do you guys compare yourself more to men and women? Women. I do. I think yeah. I compare myself more to women. When I compare myself to men, actually, I do think you have an unfair advantage, usually. Mm -hmm. I do factor that in. I'm talking about white straight men. Right. Like, I don't look at... Because uh, at they're the only ones who exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, they I have feel... all the magpies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel as a white straight woman, or a, I don't know, I, I ostensibly straight... I, look, I'm a white straight woman for practical purposes. <laughs> sure. Not in my head. I'm pansexual, but out in bed. I relate to that. 
I'll go on a date with a woman once every two years just to see, and then I'll sit there the whole time being like, you have what me are. <laughs> I, I, just, I just have a husband. That's Does my that problem. mean I'm it's gay? Not... <laughs> Is it the hair long for me, too? <laughs> what, you become Yoda when you go on a lesbian I, date? I have chronic strokes. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think I just spend so much time expecting things to be so bad, even in like small ways, uh, gender wise. You know, like I can still go to work and stuff when I have my period, which is great. Because in developing nations, girls who have their periods have to stay home, and that's why they drop out of school. Also, like, you know, violence, rape, and illness, and pregnancy, and uh, culture, and you know, genital mutilation, and all the other. Like bad things like um yeah that's true and um, that's true in some parts of developing nations right. other parts of developing nations people aren't you know they're, they're called developing because they're de there's they're developing so there's they're like we're working on it yeah there are there are certainly places <laughs> where people have great lives in the developing nations it's so easy for us to go you don't have as many material things so you're not right. as happy and there's quite a lot of evidence that there are places where people are much happier than us and they live extremely simple lives I don't know, even just watching House Hunters here or whatever you, it's called here, uh, it was called like Moving to the Country. And it was, but we have these shows in the US where it's like a person who's like an expert takes a couple around to look at three different houses. Yeah, we have that. And yeah, so like in it's, the it's US. That's my, my favorite guilty pleasure actually. Oh my God, it's incredible. Really and like porn. that Love for it. me is the smartest I get. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's best case scenario. Um, but like in the US, it's like, I don't like the paint. This kitchen isn't big enough. It's too expensive. And here it was just the woman saying like, yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> and she's like, well, it's a bit modern. And they're like, oh, but it's a good house. And she's like, you're right. It's such a good house. Yeah, I'm and grateful. And she just likes all And it's sort of like, I don't know, culturally, like we're very similar, but it's also like in the US, it's like everything is designed for you. Like it gets so specific. Yeah. Like there was a product here that's like a cooling pillow pad that you put on top of your pillow. And I was like, that would never sell in the US. You need to get the best pillow. Like it needs to be a part of the pillow. It can't right. just be like a, why don't right. you just put that on your pillow? And I'm like, no, I need the best pillow. Right. If my pillow isn't good, I need a better one. Throw that pillow in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> that's one reason we have a problem with landfills though, <laughs> is that Constant. Put the landfill in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't people yeah. think of this? <laughs> it's not clear to me. I think you're right, though. In America, where there's much more choice, yeah. there's often much more dissatisfaction. The wealthiest people I've ever worked for were the most unhappy. I nannied for a family years ago. <gasps> the queen? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They I nannied for Prince <laughs> William and Harry. They just put up like one of those notices in a coffee shop. They did. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was in the back of a magazine. They were like, oh, who's going to watch these kids? Yes. I know. It's, that's how it happened. It was actually an American family. Basically, the children were either incredibly indulged or they were very harshly disciplined. There was not much in between. And I honestly think it was because the parents had so much money that they were used to paying for convenience. Yeah. And you can't pay a child to be quiet. You can't pay a child to not want your attention. And so they would have tantrums when their children would have tantrums. Really? Because they'd be like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> I earned enough money that my life would always be happy. It's a very offensive American accent. <laughs> I'm, 
I, I take offense. No, I'm not taking. <laughs> well, I'm not taking it back. So you know, I'm going to go it's on. It's true. Fact, Why is this happening to me? <laughs> and one day, the father of the kids, I heard him screaming and screaming at one of the kids, and then he came into the kitchen, slammed the door, looked at me, and said, "We should have had dogs." Wow, that's true. And, and, I know that is true. And the mother once we were in traffic, and it was just one of those things. You know, sometimes in London there's just traffic, and it's just you just have to sit in the traffic jam. And what I would do if I had the kids in the car is I'd put the tunes on, and we'd play some games, and we'd go. We're just stuck here in some endless traffic, and we're going to be moving little micro yeah. movements for the rest of our lives. Um, <laughs> let's make the best of it, kids. And she got so angry because she was jet lagged and she just wasn't used to inconvenience of any sort. She was like, who can I pay to take this traffic away? Why is there not a chopper to come and lift us out? And she got so angry. She went, this is ridiculous. (laughs) She backed up on a hard shoulder around like baby driver, endangering the lives of her children and me. I was not being paid enough for the car chase that ensued. And then she just bombed her way out. And it was just, she was so unhappy because she was too rich. And at a certain point, that you can have a lot of fun with cash and you can be unhappy because you're really poor. Poverty makes you unhappy, of course. If you can't afford food, if you can't afford heating, if your children are crying, of course. But at a certain point, you get a certain amount of money that you can live well and then you can have a lot of fun and be cash rich. At a certain point, I honestly truly believe that with every extra million euros you get, you get an extra helping of the human condition which is the feeling that things should be a little bit different from how they are. It's true. That's backed up by research. Yeah, There's yeah. that study that it's like a chart where your happiness gets progressively... Yeah, exponentially be- ex- Yeah, it goes along with your cash flow. gets yeah. better. You get happier as you get more money. And then it plateaus after a certain amount, which is like if you have enough to cover your expenses and have a little bit of fun. Yeah, but then after that, it doesn't have any effect. Well, I think yeah. at a certain point, it, it actually, up, yeah, it I drops think. down. Yeah, because you also get disconnected from everybody. But we all secretly believe we would be the exception to that rule. All of us in this room think, yeah, but if I had that money, I would be happy. If I had Charlie Sheen's beach house and Jennifer Aniston's figure and Philip Seymour Hoffman's De- Oscar. Dead. Oh. But that's what I mean. Sorry. Like exact point. That's my. He's. That's why I'm saying. Yeah. It's the point. If I had Robin Williams' talent, if I had you know yeah, Philip yeah, yeah. I would be different. I would be happy. Yeah. We truly believe that. Although it is fucking evident that that does not make you happy. It actually, when you get so famous, as famous as we three are in danger of being. Yeah. Every I'm day, now. it's like God. I hope today isn't the day. <laughs> yeah. I'm not ready. Uh, please, I'm not William, ready. I'm draw not. the blinds. <laughs> Do you know I what I mean? I, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you get as famous as Jennifer Aniston, and Jennifer Aniston, if you're listening, obviously we want you as a guest on the podcast and we won't <laughs> fuck your husband and we think you're happy. But do you see what I mean? Like, it makes you disconnected from human beings. You can't just meet a normal person. Because you meet a normal person, you can't have a normal interaction. They're just going, oh my God, I'm meeting Jennifer Aniston. Oh, when can I ask for a selfie? That's the real in their head. Yeah. And you know it is. So that you can't just like be like, that's a pretty necklace. Thanks. <laughs> See, you're not yet as famous as Jennifer Aniston. When I ask you that question in three years' time, you're just going to go, oh, like that, and have to look away. Or say, get out of the VIP area. That's true. Because we'll play it again. You're really famous three years later. That's a nice necklace. William, shoot this woman. (laughs) Oh, William, you're so tall. Who is William? I don't know. Just to be clear, he's, uh, he's my he's my willowy um, robot pair like a <laughs> robot. robot. Yeah, he's from Finland. He, he takes care of me. 
He's your au pair, did you say? Yeah. You can hire an au pair just yeah. for yourself. Can you? I that think. That is awesome. How amazing would that be if you were an au pair, like, yeah, I guess I'll you know, get to travel and just take care of kids and you get there and it's like, no, it's fine. Well, then I guess they'd murder you. But if they didn't, I would kind of like that. Yeah. Oh my God, that would be so fun. Wouldn't it? Like somebody else would just be like organized. Like my thing is organizing my wardrobe and like everything's everywhere and there's, I don't have my washing and stuff like that. Can you hire somebody to just do your homework? Isn't that a personal assistant? Yeah. There's also, do you guys have TaskRabbit? Oh God, you're going to hate this. I know. It oh, sounds no. horrible. There's before this and after. It's a an app where it's a service uh, where people are on there and they tick boxes for like, I'm a nanny and I can walk dogs and I can do laundry. I did call I can hang once. shelves. Yeah. And then if you're like, I don't know how to hang a picture frame and I, like, I'm just on the brink and if I push it even a little bit, I'm going to have to go to the hospital for a while. Um, <laughs> so you can go on TaskRabbit and be like, someone lift this and then they'll come and whatever it is. Oh, really? And you can bid on it. I think I did this once. I, I, yeah. I, got, I got a man to come and take my dry cleaning somewhere. Mm-hmm. But he said, oh, I'm an hour and a half away. And I was like, well, that's useless. So I had to tell him not to come. And I felt oh. really bad. I did it once as a task rabbit. Um, oh. This family, they were astrophysicists. And they both got <gasps> oh. sick. And their son also got sick. So they just needed someone to do their laundry and pick up groceries. Were they contagious? They were. So they were just like, we're astrophysicists. Here's our laundry. Why did they need to tell you they were astrophysicists? They just kept saying it. They said it so fast. They were like, astrophysicists, astrophysicists. They were clearly high-end drug dealers. I don't... <laughs> astrophysicists don't go around telling you they're They actually didn't. I Googled them. That's why... Oh, you Comparing yourself. Yeah. That's what you were doing. You were going, why am I the task rabbit? And why are they in the big house? Oh, absolutely. What the fuck are these people doing? Oh, astrophysicists. I get it now. They yeah. worked for this. Does anyone have a question that they would like to ask? Okay, so the question from the audience was, do you think comparisons can ever be a positive thing? Yeah, I think so. If it's like, oh, everyone's wearing a, you know, a shirt, clothes, yeah. I should do that too. I think that's where they come from. I think at a base level, humans compare each other to make sure we're you know, keeping up with the group. I think the best comparison is to compare myself to myself, though. Like, I heard some advice once, which is when you're playing golf, play the course, not the other player. Oh, right. It's really easy in comedy. I don't know how you guys feel, but it's really easy in comedy to just go, they've been going so much less time than me, and they're already right, doing right, this. Right. Do you find this with comedy is so Definitely. I think comparison hard. can be good if it leads to action, but if you just sit in it and feel miserable, then it's... I don't know. I think the thing itself is sort of neutral, but it can lead to resentment. And if that doesn't, if it's like, oh, I'm not where I want to be, so I'm going to like spend an hour every day writing or whatever it is, or I'm going to like work mm. out more, or just eat plants from the ground and <laughs> make hair more yellow to attract a husband. Yeah. Not all then husbands want yellow hair, just to be clear. Mm. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. That is not. That is not how it works. No, you've been misled. <laughs> Both of us are brunettes. Yeah. And well, look at us. Look at us. That's true. Look I've at us. Never... My husband is the task rabbit, and sh- her boyfriend is not here. No. Where is he? He's here, he but said, he's not I'll here. I'll see you after. Why did? Why didn't he come to the show? He might be here. Gabriel, are you in? Yay! Oh, okay, good boyfriend. Oh, I'm so excited. I haven't met you before. Hey, Gabriel. Yep. 
I think comparisons, you know, and also... And my boyfriend's... Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, there he is. Does, you haven't even met him yet. Does anyone... You're is. sitting you with a, a woman. Boyfriend at all? Do you have a, would anyone like to be Anna's boyfriend? For the purposes of this exercise. You have a, a wife? There's a man at the back who would like to be a What's boyfriend. What's your deal? <laughs> what? What's, Whoa. What you did you say? I'm your new boyfriend. Your That's your friend. deal. Okay, what's your name? Brendan. Frembum? Brendan. 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 There's an Irishman called Brendan who wants to be your boyfriend. How old are you, sir? 37? Okay. <laughs> and I don't want to define you by your employment because that's not how everyone defines themselves. Worse. But what do you do? Your curator. Oh, I like that. Of what? Does of that what? just does mean it, it? It does mean a chooser, a curator. It just means someone who chooses things. So let's see what he curates. Women's hair. <laughs> yes, this one will go here. Excellent. He likes the yellow hair. What do you curate? <gasps> art. Oh. Sorry, that, sorry. I mean art. <laughs> art. That's a funny. Go into a museum and just go <gasps> art. <laughs> Ah, where are you curating, Brendan? Freelance, you freelance curator. Do they pay you to do it, or do you just go in and go, I'd choose that? And then <laughs> no, no. Okay, you go in and you curate art for people, and you live in Dublin? To be honest, how about I take Brendan and you take my husband, <laughs> and we do a quick swap? They told me this would happen. <laughs> Car keys on the table. I don't even have a car. I can't drive. <laughs> yeah. um, Brendan, do you have a car? Mm. You... Disappointing, Brendan. Disappointing. Ha Wait, I can say Maybe. this. Brendan, have you seen a car? Oh. Oh. He this already is great. curated two cars today. Two, yeah. This is already the best relationship I've ever been in. Yeah. <laughs> this is working out. I'm going to pay for these guys to have dinner. So if you want to see how this date Whoa. pans out, go to Fade Street Social tonight and sit around them and watch. Yeah. Um, I'm an alcoholic and I can't love, so I'll be there. What, what do you think about that, Brendan? Drinking seltzer. He's, on for, he's Irish. He's happy with that. He's certainly... <laughs> that was that... Sh I just remembered that you're not Irish. <laughs> the wave of like, that ah! Joke, you know, that joke would have been so good if I were Irish, wouldn't it? But I felt I had to do it. No, it was it's so good. it was such a well structured joke. And I thought, you know what? Last night when I was on the TV show, I didn't go oh. in for the feminism, so I thought here I'll go in for the racial stereotyping. Like it's not really racial, is it? What is it? Cultural stereotyping? Ethnic. Yeah. It's xenophobia, thank you. Yeah. What is that? Xenophobia! <laughs> Just a sweet woman in glasses whispering, it's xenophobia. It's xenophobia. I'm so sorry. It was a friendly, affectionate joke because I feel Irish, and I'll tell you why I feel Irish. No, 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 no. Oh, they're going to Oh, you're going to be sorry when I tell you. No, no, you're going to be sorry when I tell you. Because my goat's my, cheese pizza. My... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to tell you, and you're going to be sorry. My biological father, I was adopted as a newborn. No, my birth mother, my birth mother had to give birth to me and never see me. So she had to give birth behind a sheet and I was taken away. And my biological father is Irish and I've tried to find him and I can't. 
Yeah, so you fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> fuck off. See, I told so, you I could turn this around. You did. You did. That's I a really you. good argument winner. Right? Yeah, so what I'm saying to you is, are you my father? <laughs> Daddy? Brendan? Brendan? Da? Da? Are you here? Oh, I don't think Brendan's old enough to be my dad. He's 37. Mm. But if there is anybody here called Peter... This is the plot of Philomena, right? <laughs> I know, I was a thinking little bit, about that. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Except I was adopted in Australia, so, you know. Oh, okay. Um, but it's the same sort of thing, you know, b babies snatched away and, you know, sadness. Thank you so much for not hating me anymore. <laughs> Turned this truck around. I'm part Irish because I like the music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Who would like the music? Oh. Whoa! I like the music. I this like is the such music. a charming show. This is literally... Slow down! This is literally the worst thing that's ever happened at the oh Guilty boy. Feminist. At the end, normally we're all hugging and crying. It's never happened before. Aparna, why are you Irish? Oh, why? Oh, um... Because I hate the sun. <laughs> Follow the Guilty Feminist on Twitter, at GuiltFemPod. Check out our Instagram, instagram.com slash theguiltyfeminist. Like our Facebook page, sign up to our mailing list to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. And please go to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. It helps other people find the podcast. Apana, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I wanted to plug Anna's show tonight. Oh, that's nice. Anna, Thank you. what's your show? I, at the Big Red at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. And I'm on it. Okay, great. And Go I would see that. And could you tell them about the reductress or your Twitter handle or anything else? Yeah. Because our listeners at home want to follow you. Oh, they're sitting there in their little houses thinking <laughs> about me. Um, I'm on Twitter at Anna Dresden. And you can look at that. Or you could follow Aparna. Yeah, it's Twitter. true. And you are at Aparna? Aparnapkin. Uh, oh, Aparnapkin, that's right. I follow you. Aparnapkin, that's so sweet. <laughs> and now you're going to be able to add the app Arna. App Arna. Apart to Aparnapkin. Um, and can you also download Aparna's show? What's your album called? It's called Just Putting It Out There. Just Putting It Out There. Mm -hmm. And you can get that on iTunes. It's really, yes. really funny. Mm -hmm. And you can read uh, Reductress. Yeah. And look, search for Anna Dresden and her articles will come up. And uh, I wrote uh, books, books called How to Win at Feminism and one called How May We Hate You about working as a concierge in Times Square. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Do we have a charity of the week? Um, hi, I'm Carrie Ann. Um, I'm involved in a charity called the Abortion Rights Campaign. <laughs> I knew I was in like a safe space. I was so chuffed to talk about it. Um, so yeah, they basically advocate for free, safe, legal abortion for women and people with uteruses in Ireland. And they do that by um, supporting the introduction of pro-choice legislation in the Dáil, which is like our heads of the parliament, particularly a referendum on the repeal of the Eighth Amendment. They also try to fight like the social stigma and the shame surrounding abortion through like workshops, community outreach and stuff like that. And then they try and dispel misinformation uh, kind of spread by anti-choice kind of groups and stuff like that as well. So if you'd like to donate to that charity, 
at both exits, one of these lovely feminists will be standing with a tin. And if you would like to donate to that charity, it sounds very worthwhile and like something Dublin needs to really be donating to. But if you're listening at home, could you please go to this link? Yeah, it's just abortionrightscampaign.ie and there's a donate section. So abortionrightscampaign.ie and there's a donate button. Please donate generously because we need to be there for our sisters in Ireland, especially me, who is Irish. have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host, Aparna Nanchola, and our very special guest, Anna Dresen. The recording engineer was James Feeney. Music is by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinski for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Bren and Caroline and everyone at The Joke Shop, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. many of you listen to the end of the podcast every week, but normally Tom puts a little outtake after the credits. So some of you probably go, okay, this is the bit where oh, bye-bye, and you turn it off. But Tom always does like an outtake at the end. So he always has to find something funny that didn't, you know, didn't quite fit in or whatever, just do it at the end. I feel this show will be nine-tenths outtakes. <laughs> this episode, there's so many funny things I don't want in the main body. <laughs> things that I've said, things that collectively we've said things that you booed <laughs> so do make sure when you're listening to this episode at home uh, that you listen to the outtakes which will be a good 15 to 20 <laughs> at the end want truly hydrated skin meet Osea's body care breakthrough hyaluronic body serum it's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.